Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, choir. It's always a good song when it gets me feeling like dancing. It's always a good thing when I don't. Excellent music. Thank you. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Exodus. As Moses hears the voice of God in a burning bush on Mount Sinai. We're reading chapter 3, verses 7 to 10. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites and Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. And for our psalm today, we will sing together Psalm 42.
And in the New Testament reading today, we look at Luke 4, 16 to 22. As Jesus returns to his hometown, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring God good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and then he began to speak to them. And Jesus said, The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads and the granddads and the stepdads and the uncles and the cousins and the next door neighbors who uh, act as father figures. In fact, to everyone who is or were the father figure in someone's life, happy Father's Day. Speaking from experience, being a dad is the biggest rush the greatest anxiety-producing and joy-inducing and greatest responsibility that you ever have in your life. And you know what's fascinating about being a dad? Is that you are one before you know you are one. I mean, you're just bebopping along in your daily life when your spouse quietly says, I'm late. And a few days later, she stops at a drugstore and disappears into the bathroom and comes out holding a stick and is smiling. And we know what that means. And the doctor confirms and you hug each other and you say, we're having a baby. And you say, I'm going to be a dad. But in fact, you've been one for weeks. You just didn't know it. That in-between time between the happening and the knowledge of it happening is a strange thing to consider. When an accused in a trial is told the verdict's in, at that point the jury has voted and he's already either guilty or an innocent man, but doesn't really know it until the judge affirms the verdict and wraps the gavel. Or when the nurse says, your biopsy is finished, The doctor will be in to talk with you. At that moment, you are already free from or a victim of cancer. You just don't know which it is until you're told. Today is Juneteenth. It is a federal holiday. Nearly half of the states have made it a state holiday. Governor Justice here in West Virginia is treating it like a state holiday. State workers get a day off. 
in celebration of Juneteenth for our song of illumination, we had a great rendition of what has come to be known as the Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Originally written as a poem by James Weldon Johnson back in 1900, it was set to music by his brother as part of a celebration for Abraham Lincoln's birthday in 1905. And now it is widely recognized for its power in voicing a cry for liberation and affirmation for African American people. And it is heard in churches and celebrations around the country on Juneteenth. But only a handful of years ago, Juneteenth wasn't really well known outside the African American community. Some people call it the Black Fourth of July or Black Independence Day, although those comparisons are just a little bit off the mark. After the Civil War, President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, January 1st, 1863. Over three million slaves in this country became free on the signing of that declaration. So that date, January 1st, 1863, probably is more akin to a black Independence Day. It is the day slaves were legally freed. But news of the ratification of the Emancipation Proclamation did not reach most slaves in this country until much later. We didn't have any CNN to announce the news instantaneously. The word of their freedom had to slowly spread across the country. And finally, on June 19, 1865, over two years after the ratification of the Emancipation Proclamation, Union soldiers arrived by boat in Galveston, Texas, and announced to the slaves there they were freed from slavery. And that was the last outpost where the word of the freedom and the Emancipation Proclamation reached. Until then, until that date, slaves in that part of the country were actually free. They had been freed two years ago legally, but they didn't know it yet. So for those two long years, they continued to live in bondage and act as slaves. Those two in-between years between the happening and the knowing. Reports from the Texas front of the time say when the former slaves learned they were free, they, and I quote, immediately began to celebrate with prayer, feasting, song, and dance. And it was then the Juneteenth was christened. Now the celebrations first were centered around black churches, then the communities, and over decades it spread more widely. There will be a somber ceremony tonight at 5 p.m. in Wheeling's Market Plaza. There will be a variety of speakers. It will be held at the site in Wheeling where slaves were once sold like cattle on a regular basis here in the friendly city. And yet, this past Friday at the Ohio County Library, there was a presentation on the importance of this valley in the Underground Railroad Movement, helping slaves find their way north to freedom. We were a critical stop on that railroad path to freedom for slaves. Which certainly shows the dichotomy of this area's feelings about slavery, at least at that time. A part of the slave trade on one hand and a part of the slave freedom movement on the other. 
Juneteenth. Some interesting history. But why should we as Christians give any special concern about Juneteenth? Well, at the simplest level, God loves all his children and he wants all of them to be liberated and free. And as Christians, we join in the celebration of all at any time, at any place, who are liberated from bondage. You remember in Matthew 25, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. God cares for the oppressed, the hurting, the abused, and the enslaved. And as God cares, so should we care. And we should join in the celebration of those who take this day to celebrate a legal end to their bondage. Because God's people have been too often in bondage as well. And frankly, in many ways, we remain in bondage today. Slaves to our baser emotions, in bondage to addiction or hatred. Slaves to our own sin, whatever it might be. But as the African Americans were freed from legal bondage by Abraham Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation, so we have been freed over and over again from our own sin and from those dark things that sometimes can control us. God's compassion and action to deliver and restore people both physically and spiritually is seen multiple times throughout the Bible. From the 400 years of slavery the children of Israel endured in the Old Testament to the treatment of the Greek widows in the New Testament. In our Old Testament scripture today from Exodus, we hear God tell Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people. I have heard their cries of distress because they're harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. And of course, he sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, in that Exodus scripture, his specific reference was to the people of Israel. But it is God's continuing desire to see his people, all of his people, all of us, out of bondage. And so in his son, Jesus Christ, God gave us the the eternal emancipator. Jesus is the savior whose life, death, burial, and resurrection provides spiritual emancipation from the bondage of sin and the fear of death. We heard that in our gospel reading today in Luke. Jesus read from the old scroll in Isaiah, he has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be sent free. And Jesus then said, the scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. The promise of liberation and freedom from bondage, including the bondage of our own sins, was fulfilled with the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So my friends, as Christians, we should rejoice with those in the African-American community today on Juneteenth 
celebrating the legal emancipation of those children of God from hundreds of years of slavery. But also, it is a holiday with built-in tension. Juneteenth celebrates a delayed and frankly, in many ways, incomplete liberation. There was the Emancipation Proclamation. And in 1865, all the slaves were told and they now knew they were technically legally free. But the battle through Jim Crow laws, the Civil Rights Movement, the current re-arising of white nationalism in this country are reminders that the walk to true freedom can be slow. But Juneteenth still celebrates the hopes for a better, a freer future under the laws of men and a future held by God in Christ. And Juneteenth might remind us as Christians of our own in-between time, between, as some like to phrase it, between the now and the not yet. As the last of the slaves spent two years in between being freed and knowing it, we may be reminded of the already not yet of God's kingdom. Jesus is already victorious over death and sin and evil. And we celebrate that daily in our lives as well as corporately weekly here in worship. But the victory is not yet fully realized here among us. We are in our own in-between times as we await for the complete fulfillment of God's kingdom and the second coming. Juneteenth. It is a good opportunity for all Christians to remember that we have love, compassion, and responsibility for all of God's children. And while, as Martin Luther King Jr. once said, the arc of the universe may bend toward justice, the march towards justice isn't always straight or quick. We rise, we fall, we stumble, we lose our way. American history, Christian history, is layered and nuanced, uneven and unfinished. The Bible is more than God created the earth and Moses saw the burning bush and Christ came, died for our sins, hallelujah. There are 66 books in the Bible, and they tell the story of a people who had good times and bad times, good leaders and bad leaders, who saw both war and peace, and whose story is still evolving as we wait the fulfillment of God's kingdom. And America's story is more nuanced than just in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, pilgrims, turkeys beat the British, Benjamin Franklin, hooray for the red, white, and blue. Confronting the realities of our failures as a nation is as important as acknowledging our personal sins to God. Yet there are efforts being made these days to sanitize our history. There are those who suggest that admitting our failures and acknowledging the reality that we as a nation were wrong sometimes somehow diminishes us. But my friends, that makes no more sense than for Christians to confess our sins, our failures to God, and then to turn around and say the sin is what defines us. 
Confessing our sins and accepting God's grace that forgives them is what defines us. And admitting our national failures and recognizing the march to true freedom, equality, and justice is long and sometimes filled with detours along the way, that's what makes the country great. We miss the mark on many occasions. And Juneteenth is a good time to remind ourselves of that. Human slavery was, without any question, a dark mark on our history. And surely it was a blemish in the eyes of God. But on the day they learned they were free in Galveston, Texas, letters from that time say they immediately began to celebrate with prayer, feasting, song, and dance. Eventually, evil is vanquished. Sin is removed. God's kingdom will be fulfilled. It is no sin to acknowledge our failings. But failures don't define us as Christians any more than they do as a country. When his people were oppressed, God himself went to Moses and said, Let my people go. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Which is a good reason for all Christians to do as our formerly enslaved brothers and sisters did. Celebrate with prayer and feasting and song and dance. Happy Father's Day and happy Juneteenth. Amen.